There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I am Alan Watts and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 19th of January 2010. For newcomers, I suggest you look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com website, look at all the other sites I have up there, and bookmark them for future use. There's cuttingthroughthematrix.com, dotsnets, dotus, dotca. There's Alan Watts, cuttingthroughthematrix.ca. There's, uh, there's cuttingthrough.jenkins.com. And the last one is Alan Watt Sentient, Sentinel.eu. The EU site is a European site, has all the same audios for downloads. If you go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com or any other sites, you'll find uh, a link to the European site. And you can download transcripts of a lot of the talks I've given over the past, and they're written in the various languages of Europe. And as always, I start off my tin can rattling because you're the audience who brings me to you. Uh, most of the hosts out there are paid by companies to advertise things and so on. The ads you hear on the show are paid directly by the advertisers right to RBN to pay for their airtime and their board ops and their staff and their bills, of course. Everything is bills these days. So you have to keep me going by going to cuttingthroughthematrix.com websites and finding out how to buy the books I sell, the discs I sell, uh, or how to donate to me. In the U.S., remember, you can send personal checks to Canada. You can also send uh, from the post office uh, an international postal money order. That's the green one. Uh, sorry, that's the, the pink, orange one. Make sure it's international. They don't accept the internal green one in Canada. And you can use PayPal as well to order if you want to. Just send a separate email along with the PayPal uh, donation. Outside the Americas, same idea. Western Union is good. Uh, MoneyGram. Some people send cash or PayPal. It's up to you how you do it. And for those who get the disc burned and passed to them, you can get in touch with me by writing to Alan Watt, W-A-T-T, Site 41, Box 4, Estere, which is E-S-T-A-I-R-E, Ontario, Canada. The postal code is P as in Peter, the number 3, E as in Elizabeth, the number 4, N as in Nora, and the number 1. P3E4N1. And I never, I never really set up what I'm going to talk about before the show is because I, as I said before so many times that the media's job is to just throw out masses of data at us most of which we can do nothing about, if you notice. It's generally declarations about what governments are passing, laws of the past, uh, what they're thinking of doing, uh, things that are happening across the globe. It's completely outside of your reach. 
and there's nothing you can do about it, or else countries go into war with each other, and all of this kind of stuff. But we're bombarded with data, and it overloads you. So much so that you lose sight of what's really going on and what will really affect you personally. This is a, a, a technique that's used on the public. And guys like, again, the famous player Brzezinski wrote about it as far back as 1970, that this would happen around this time, that we'd be overloaded to such an extent we, we would be hard-pressed to even uh, keep a hold of basic reality and to things which really affected us personally. Back with more on this topic after this break. I am Alan Watts, and we're cutting through the matrix. It's, it's quite something as to get bombarded every day with so many things going on. And we've got to keep sight of the fact that we're living through a big plan, a big plan that uh, big players wrote about copiously in the past in rather dry books. We tend not to like dry books once we're finished with college or university or school, we don't read very much at all, in fact. We, we prefer visual things and television and Internet. And this, again, was predicted back in the 70s this would happen. But uh, the big boys, the big players, the Huxleys, the Bertrand Russells, uh, the Brzezinski's, uh, Kissinger's, churned out books uh, on the the workings of this coming global system, how it was all working together, the different departments, the special areas of psychology that would be used upon the public to bring them through a period of apparent shake-up, you might call it chaos to an extent, while they refigured the whole world into a new world order and a, the first truly global system. There's been many new world orders in the past. Adolf Hitler called his term in office a new world order, to bring in a new world order. Uh, during the Cold War, we had a, a world order, and that was the, the so-called balance of powers between East and West. Uh, now, uh, in the post-Cold War era, it's the push to get everyone together under a standardized system. And you'll find, say, Brzezinski, for instance, in his two major books. One, one of them was um, Between Two Ages. He was talking about this transference of the old system into the new, uh, the, the period we're going through now. And he, and he mentioned the countries, too, that would be involved in it. And he claims that the countries who all have communications now, regardless of how poor they happen to be, would be incredibly angry or even jealous of the West, especially the U.S. And... Um, he said it made the elites of the US, U.S. feel very uncomfortable. What he didn't mention, of course, is the fact that the U.S. and the Western powers, especially Britain, already had agendas for all of those countries that would be upset. They also agreed a long time ago to keep those countries poor. So if they're poor and they're being kept poor, uh, then it's no wonder they have animosity towards the West. 
But mind you, his books were really written for recruits from the Ivy League universities who'd studied those particular books. So he couldn't very well tell them that he was a major player in geopolitics. Now, geopolitics is probably one of the dirtiest games that you can imagine because it's long-term strategy uh, aimed at taking down countries in order to dominate them. They call it, again, with their psycholinguistics, hegemony. Hegemony to them really means domination of an area. And that's why we're going through the turmoil today is the last few countries that lived in a separate system which served them very, very well up until now uh, are being standardized, whether they like it or not, through warfare practices and techniques. And they also knew that because they'd have to go into these countries to standardize them, that there'd be comeback across all the countries into which immigrants had had, uh, moved. Therefore, they'd have to bring in a a police world state, basically, across the whole globe to to counter this. And it means everybody becomes a suspect. But then he goes even further in Between Two Ages and The Grand Chessboard. It's another book he wrote, too. Uh, And he mentions that, as I say, the elites, this elite stress over and over, who basically run the Western countries. He's not talking about politicians, by the way. He said, become very nervous at the gap, the widening gap between the rich, extremely rich, and the poor. Now, they also mean within their own countries. Remember, these guys at the top um, believe in the sequence of events that happen under Marxist theology. And it is a theology, it's a belief system. Uh, that you come from an agrarian age into a form of slavery, um, feudalism, and then you get into the industrial age, uh, then you demand rights, and so you have big movements for, for rights going on into a democratic age. And now we're post-democratic, really, uh, really post-industrial. We become post-democratic. We get used to specialists uh, and agencies of governments guiding our lives for us. And the idea is to keep everybody managed. Managed is the key as we go through this long-lasting crisis up to about the year 2050, while they hope to get it all rearranged, the whole world rearranged, the whole way of living rearranged, and a reduced population and a compliance, obedient population at the very end of that term. But in the meantime, they see riots coming up as they go through uh, the takeover of all uh, food supplies of the planet, all material goods that you really, really need, Um, and as it tax you basically to pay for it all, for for their exploits abroad. This is all talked about, as I say, in the books that they write themselves, that nobody wants to read, except for students in Yale and Harvard and Oxford and Cambridge and places like that, because that's where they recruit them, and they they, they come into uh, these specialized fields dealing with mass psychology, and how to bring it all about. They're quite open about it, in fact. But Brzezinski also goes on about using other techniques. And what he's really referring to is, um, you might call it scare tactics, in order to get the world to give up what were seen as personal and national rights. They are internationalists at the top. They've always been internationalists, and according to their own belief system, Uh, They were internationalists long before even the 1940s, these guys. 
Because as I say, they all, regardless if you think of them as being right-wing or left-wing, they all believe in this formula set out by Karl Marx. And they also believe in Darwinism coupled with Marx. Therefore, being an elite, it's only natural they're going to safeguard themselves to go on into the future while the old type, that are now super abundant and obsolete, die off. And I'm not kidding about that. That's really what it's all about. They're managing us through the big period as they start to bring all of this about. The whole debate about um, weather and uh, global warming and all the rest of the stuff, these are all parts of the techniques to give up your sovereign rights over so many areas of your own independent life, like heating yourself. Uh, getting you off the road is a mandate as well eventually they don't, in a totally, a totally controlled society you can't have people travelling anywhere they want to go you never have that so the first thing is always a lockdown on where you can travel, who can travel and we see this happening now with air travel for instance where the, the politician placed in charge of British aviation came out publicly a few months ago and I read the article from the mainstream news where he said, we're here to discourage people from traveling. They don't want non-essential travel in the future. It's to be a world of bureaucrats traveling, CEOs and their employees traveling, uh, and that will be that. Everybody else will be locked down into their own regional area, and they call them regions. Interestingly enough, too, that Brzezinski said that it was the United States who first came up with the idea and helped to implement the, the startup of regionalization. The, the North American Union is a regionalization. It's a block like the Soviet bloc, just like the European uh, system too, the European parliamentary system has turned Europe and the European countries into a new European Soviet type block. They use the Soviet system as a model to bring it about. And each region of the world has to get the same done to it. There's a one for the Far East as well. Now Brzezinski didn't dream that up because you go back into Karl Marx's writings and Das Kapital and he talked about the same thing too, the great trading blocks or regions uh, he, he said about three of them probably and uh, they be they become provinces under a super government a singular super government well these guys have never changed their plans to date and of course no one's ever going to ask a man like Brzezinski who's still running the show who whose son is involved in the military industrial complex now in a big way and um, they're, they're not going to ask him why he's a true believer in Marxist theology or philosophy, depending on how you want to look at it or label it. No one will ask him that question. But most folk will think he's, he's kind of right-wing. But he's not. See, there are, there's no left-wing and right-wing in this. The guys at the top are internationalists, and they do believe in this evolution of man and the stages of man, including all through the Marxian stages up through post um, agricultural, post-technological, post-industrial, post-everything until here we are today. We have no, no real function, according to those at the top. And the global warming, as I say, is one big scam they came up with. Now, back in the 1920s, you'll see that uh, if you, the scientists then were doing the same thing. They were screaming that all the, the Arctic ice, the ice was melting, 
and that uh, around the Bering Strait you could sail from one country to another where normally there was ice. Well, it came back in the late 20s through the 30s and all the rest of it. It came back so much that uh, initially the same experts said we're coming into an ice age. So it went from a warming period into an ice age. And uh, I've read this article before. It's very important to show you that this is part of an agenda of chaos, really, to get you to give up your rights. Because they mentioned some of the things they plan to do to offset it, including taking over the food supply of the world because they thought it was going to be an ice age. And this is Wednesday, December the 16th, Washington's blog. And I'll read from this. It's a very good article uh, when I come back from this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Just talking about the, the cons have tried over the last century, in fact, to get us to give up so many rights. But it's also training us to listen to experts. Remember what Bertrand Russell said? He said, we're training the public now so that they will be do, able to do nothing by themselves. They'll need the advice of an expert. And when he said that, it was an awful long time ago, he said... Eventually, mothers won't be able to change diapers without expert advice. And that happened. I mean, that has happened. Even on weather channels now, they'll they'll tell you what to wear because it's going to rain, like you're a little child or something. And we get used to this. We get used to this being perpetual children, that we can't think for ourselves. But getting back to this article, Washington's blog, December 16th, 2009, Here's what they said, and I've read it before. It's such a good article. Scientists considered pouring soot over the Arctic in the 1970s to help melt the ice in order to prevent another ice age. And it says, uh, On April 28, 1975, Newsweek wrote an article stating, Climatologists are pessimistic that political leaders will take any positive action to compensate for the climatic change or even to allay its effect. The exact stuff you're hearing now. They concede that some of the more spectacular solutions proposed, such as melting the Arctic ice cap by covering it with black soot or diverting Arctic rivers, might create problems far greater than those they solve. This is what they thought about, diverting the rivers and everything. But the scientists see few signs that the government leaders anywhere are even prepared to take the simple measures of stockpiling foods or of introducing the variables of climatic uncertainty into economic projections of future food supplies. Now, we see they don't do the same thing now as they take the seeds and put them off to islands that are inaccessible to the general public because of global warming, supposedly. Any excuse will do to get their way. It says, the longer planners delay, the more difficult will they find it to copy with climatic change once the results become grim reality. And they give you a reprint of the article in the Washington Times and also a copy of the 1975 Newsweek article. It says, why were scientists considering melting the ice cap? 
because they were worried about a new ice age. Newsweek discussed its 75 article back again in 2006 and said, In April 75, Newsweek published a small back-paged article about a very different kind of disaster, citing ominous signs that the Earth's weather patterns have begun to change dramatically. The magazine warned of an impending drastic decline in food production. Political disruptions stemming from food shortages could affect just about every nation on Earth. Scientists urged governments to consider emergency action to head off the terrible threat off. Well, if you haven't been following the climate change debates at the time, you'd have known that the threat was global cooling. Citizens can judge for themselves what constitutes a prudent response, which indeed is what occurred 30 years ago. All in all, it's probably just as well that society elected not to follow one of the possible solutions mentioned in the Newsweek article, which was to pour soot, black soot, carbon, you see, over the Arctic ice cap to help it melt. Newsweek was not alone. Some scientists in the press have been warning about an ice age off and on for over a hundred years. For example, in February 24, 1895, the New York Times published an article called Prospects of Another Glacial Period. Geologists think the world may be frozen up again, which starts with the following paragraph. The question is again being discussed whether recent and long-continued observations do not point to the advent of a second glacial period, while the countries now basking in the fostering warmth of a tropical sun will ultimately give way to the perennial frosts and snow of the polar regions. In 1958, Harper's Magazine wrote an article called The Coming Ice Age. On January 11, 1970, the Washington Post wrote an article entitled Colder Winters Held Dawn of New Ice Age. Scientists see Ice Age in the future, which stated, Get a good grip on your long johns, cold weather, haters. The worst may be yet to come. That's the long-range weather forecast being given out by climatologists, the people who study very long-term world weather trends. And it goes on and on and on as they try to get us all to give up our rights and and, uh, put all foods and handling and growing of food into the government's hands because of a coming ice age just like they're trying to do with the coming warming age that seems to have gone back to an ice age again, according to this winter. So that's the farce, as I say, that we certainly certainly do live through. It just goes on and on, doesn't it? I've also talked, too, about the incredible way that we've been trained to think in a linear fashion, uh, which is really an, an unnatural way of looking at things, Animals think from all kinds of directions, literally. If, uh, and I've, I've talked about it before here, if I get a tree down and the local fox is coming along and that path that he normally follows has a tree down, he'll, he'll sit and study it from different angles before he decides to pass by. If it was a human being, we'd just say, well, there are trees down, you go right up to it and try and move it or cut it or something uh, without checking anything else out. For an animal, they must think from different directions for its own personal survival. We've been trained, we don't really need that because experts are always working things for us. We don't have to think too much about anything. Just sit back and be happy. Back with more after this break. Your 
listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. I've mentioned often about how we're, we're given this uh, linear pattern of thinking where uh, things just go together like following a, a trail of cheese and we come to the mousetrap at the end and we think that's all there is to it. That's how we're trained to think. When you get into the minds of the big boys who run the world, uh, being the good psychopaths they are, they think from all kinds of directions, all kinds of ploys, things you'd never dream of. They could take any situation and see uh, how to make a profit out of it or to how to turn it to their advantage. Any situation at all. The directions that you have to be, you have to be born with a technique like this. You, you can't just learn it. You're born with it. And that's what they say psychopaths actually are. They're born with the psychopathy. But uh, unfortunately, the normal folk uh, can't think that way. We don't see the cons coming. And we're trained, we literally are trained from childhood into growing up thinking that those in charge, those who have somehow worked up to the top positions of authority and government, are somehow more altruistic and more honest and uh, better than ourselves. Nothing can be further from the truth. Because psychopaths are the ones who claw their way up. Psychopaths need the power. They have a craving for power over other people. And they have a craving for status. Incredible craving for status. And they like people calling them sir or bowing to them and all that kind of stuff. They really, really get off on this. And who knows, maybe that's a natural order. I've often wondered that in society down through the, the centuries. If the big man in a tribe ends up conquering at the tribe next door and becomes the hero and uh, starts to get uh, treated like royalty and his offsprings are the same uh, then his offsprings marry the enemy's uh, daughter uh, you got two basically aggressive types marrying each other the ones who got to the top within their own tribes and have psychopathic traits that they then pass on to their own children and then they rule all the rest of the people beneath them that seems to be the way in society and getting back to this respectability factor, um, we should know by now that there's more criminality going around the world in suits and ties, very expensive suits and ties, as opposed to street crime. And it's an area that's seldom touched. It's almost a taboo area for, polit- for the police because politics are definitely involved in it. And white-collar crime, regardless of the billions some of them will rip off the public, uh, generally ends them, if they get caught at all, and they get sentenced, they get put to some kind of uh, halfway house where they can play golf, and they're only in for a few months, and that's it over and done with. It's ridiculous, but that's the reality. And what they'll say in court is, well, they didn't actually physically hurt someone. Now, if they clean the banks out and people lose their homes and maybe commit suicide or starve to death, it, technically, technically within the legal system, uh, the person who caused it didn't, didn't kill them. That was, a, that was a consequence of it that was out of their hands. That's how they'd phrase it, you see, in, in the legal system. So they get very, very little punitive um, punishment whatsoever. 
And we're taught again through all the ads on television, which gives us a fake impression of medicine, the police, everything else. Never mind all the dramas they give you. It's all propaganda. We get a fake idea of what they're really all about. You would think something to do with the medical industry is there to help you. Because that's what all the propaganda tells you. That's what every ad on television tells you. That's what every ad for a new product tells you. Smiling faces, white coats with a stethoscope round the neck, and doctor recommends it, and they wouldn't do anything to hurt you, would they? Their job is pure, pure, pure profit. That's their job. Pure profit for the drug companies. This article here is from the 15th of January. This is breaking news. Johnson & Johnson facing federal suit for paying kickbacks to nursing homes. Now, nursing homes now are like chain stores, and there's a lot of money involved in them, big, big money. It says, news is breaking today that the United States government has slapped a suit against Johnson & Johnson and two of its subsidiaries for allegedly paying kickbacks to nursing homes in an effort to boost sales for a new antipsychotic drug. You know what they do when they get them in these homes? They put them on antipsychotic drugs where they sit and drool in a chair, a chair they can't get out of, by the way. That way they're not walking around. It takes fewer staff to take care of them, so it's bigger profits for the companies in the nursing homes. It says, J&J has not spoken publicly on the matter as of yet, although they're expected to do so later today. The news of the U.S. suit against Johnson & Johnson comes on the same day it is being reported that the company is broadening its voluntary recall of certain over-the-counter medications that have a musty or moldy odor. From the Wall Street Journal story on the federal suit against Johnson & Johnson, it says federal prosecutors allege that Johnson & Johnson paid one of the nation's largest uh, pharmacies uh, serving nursing homes tens of millions of dollars in kickbacks to increase sales of drugs, including blockbuster antipsychotic Risperol. A press release issued a short time ago provides even more detail on the kickbacks that Johnson & Johnson is alleged to have paid. It says the United States has filed a a civil false claims act complaint against drug manufacturer J&J of New Brunswick, New Jersey, and two of its subsidiaries, Ortho McNeil Johnson Pharmaceuticals, Inc., and Johnson Johnson Healthcare Systems, Inc. The Justice Department announced today the complaint alleges that these companies paid millions of dollars in kickbacks to Omnicare, Incorporated, the nation's largest pharmacy that specializes in dispensing drugs to nursing home patients. In November 2009, the United States' numerous uh, state uh, the United States, numerous states, and Omnicare entered into a $98 million settlement agreement that, among other things, resolved Omnicare's civil liability under the False Claim Act for taking kickbacks from J&J. It's quite astonishing. This is quite common, this kind of stuff, isn't it? <clears throat> it says kickbacks in the nursing home uh, pharmacy context are particularly uh, nefarious because they can result in excessive prescribing of strong drugs to patients who have little or no control over the medical care they are receiving. U.S. Attorney uh, Carmen or- Ortiz said in a statement, nursing home doctors should be able to rely on the integrity, here they go again, integrity in, 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 this, uh, in the pharma industry, of the recommendations they receive from pharmacists 
and those recommendations should not be a product of money that a drug company is paying to the pharmacy. This is across the board, you know, uh, this kind of natural corruption. It's commonplace. They're all at it. All the big companies are at it. Never mind the fact now that every country in the world that bought all the millions and millions of doses of the useless swine flu vaccine are desperately trying to give them away to any country that will take them because they don't want to be left with uh, all these multitudes, of, these mountains of syringes uh, because it doesn't look too good on them for the next time. But that's the way it is, isn't it? The con men, the psychopaths run the world. And they can whip us up into a frenzy over global uh, cooling or global warming or plagues or whatever else they want. And they always seem to get their way because the politicians always go along with them. What do the politicians have in common with the big boys? Psychopaths, you see. They, they do recognize each other, and they see no problem in making deals with each other. Quite something. Now, we'll go to the callers now, and there's, there's Rico from Toronto. Are they there, Rico? Hey, I don't know. Not so bad. I don't know. Yes, not so bad. I wanted your opinion on uh, on something. Um, immediately when I when I saw it, like when it happened last week, the first thing I thought about was um, uh, like the teutonic weapons, a harp, mm-hmm. like when the hurricane, I'm oh, sorry, the uh, earthquake happened in in Haiti. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to get your thoughts on it because it just seems it's too well coordinated to me. Like Clinton's like uh, she canceled her trip. She's gonna go and save. And I don't know these people don't do nothing for nothing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's a, and it's a military operation. Yeah. It's it's so welcome to the Pentagon to go rescue people. It just it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't jive. That something's fishy. You know. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I like my mom was there, and she she's back now. Um, and she she just said you know the, the bodies and stuff like that. But I know those those people don't do anything for for nothing. So. That was just, I just wanted your opinion on it. Like, mm-hmm. What did you think to me that that's what could have been? Uh, there's a few things that could have been. In fact, again, I went to flip through Brzezinski's book Between Two Ages today, and that was, I think, printed in 1970, and he does go through uh, the weather warfare uh, techniques that would be employed, he said, maybe a decade, two decades from now, he said. And he said it's a great covert way where any country could literally use such covert weapons that would be undetectable. Uh, You'd put it down to natural disasters, but but in reality you're using them for military purposes. What did get me was the U.S. uh, military seemed already prepared to go in there. And and you know yourself that even before they invaded Afghanistan, uh, before 9-11 happened, it took them six months or seven months. They were building up troops for going into that area. The military doesn't work so quickly. And, um, and what amazed me, too, reading through the newspapers, was some of the big staff that had to go over with the military just happened all to be in Miami at the time. So they just hopped aboard the ships and away they went. So, well, see, we'll never know. This is the beauty of weather warfare. We'll never know. Um, when the tsunami hits, remember, uh, there was talk at the time of uh, U.S. military 
being in the area. In fact, they tried to land in one country and bring in the Marines right away. They were there. And the country that was a Muslim country refused to have them. And it was in the papers at the time. They said, no, out you go. Um, so is it being used for, for military purposes? I would say, why not? Since they've got it, they can use it. Yeah, that's the first thing that came into my mind when, when it happened. I said, it just, it's too well coordinated. Like the, the response time was too, you know, it, it was like a grand theater. Like Clinton saying she cancels her trip. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and I'm like, to a little island that 200 some years ago kicked some people and did a, a you know, a revolution, get some people out. Mm-hmm. I said, nobody cares that much. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, I'm not, I'm not trying to be cynical. I'm just saying. Like. Well, yeah. Well, now they're saying that uh, part of the, the, the Southern Command for the whole of the Americas now uh, went over there. What they're claiming is, is because it's a geopolitical area of important, uh, strategic importance, and that's why the military has gone in first to take it over. Yeah. 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 Well, that makes sense. Because I, I, I got emailed like within a few, you know, days, and that's what the people were saying. They were saying even they. Yeah, shots of cams of the making republic it was the way it shook it didn't shake like a normal um earthquake mm-hmm. and how uh cuba was unaffected and um the other places but it, the way they even an email i got sent it was like 13 reasons why this is probably harp mm-hmm. and it had all the it was breaking it down and and i thought that before i got the email yes I got, I got the email maybe saturday or sunday and before that i was like yeah, and I know too that uh, I think it was 1978 at the United Nations, all the big countries signed an agreement not to use weather warfare uh, against each other in war purposes. Now that means they can also use it internally on their own people, though. By the way, and under the North American agreements and the Southern uh, Command agreements, then those those little islands in the Caribbean come under American jurisdiction. Uh, so technically you could use it on them, uh, but um, it's, it's just too, it's too fortunate it happened just at this time. They're all ready to go. It's a big show demonstration. Um, we won't know yet what the, what the true purpose of it is yet either. We won't know yet what the true purpose is. Well, I have a friend who basically his family, has family members who live in Haiti, he has, he has a lot of family members, and what it told me is that this is when Clinton was going in and out of there. Because the last year, I think he's last year, he was there for like seven or eight months, mm-hmm. uh, like Clinton. And they have interest that they're doing like a whole bunch of stuff that they're doing. And supposedly, what my friend told me that his his uncle who lives there saw a whole bunch of military American troops mm-hmm. in a certain region, and they barred every the Haitians from going there and supposedly they found something whether it be oil deposit because I know there's oil there whether it be oil, large oil deposit whether it be minerals whether it be mm-hmm. old something and they, they weren't allowing the people to go because I talked about it with them so these people don't these moms don't do nothing for, for nothing mm-hmm. you know? these psychopaths don't do nothing for nothing you know and then when he saw um, Bush like laughing on national television mm-hmm. you know when they're supposedly doing a charity event to make money for it, it just didn't make sense. You know what I mean? Yes. 
And, and once again, too, I can guarantee the money uh, that we'll never get to where it's supposed to go with Bush Sr. and Clinton in charge of it, because that's what happened with the last tsunami uh, victims. Uh, they're still waiting for the cash. Yeah. How would you suggest, like, a, a more, yes, proactive way to donate, I guess, for a, a more smaller organization? Because I already know that the Red Cross usually keeps the money mm-hmm. for 70% of it gets eaten up. Yeah, that's right. if they, they uh, you know, how, how would you suggest maybe another a better way? I'll tell you, it's very difficult to do now. What people don't realize is that, um, remember when the tsunami hit, that uh, uh, the president of the U.S. got up and said, there's only two charitable organizations that we are promoting. That was the Red Cross and the Salvation Army. Lots of other little uh, charities went in there. The same thing happens with um, New Orleans. And right away when they went in, these, these little charities... Uh, with the, the active teams to help. And there was all the money was going into active teams going in there. Uh, they kept, the IRS came down on them within a couple of days and, and stopped them. The IRS. Meaning no one's allowed to compete with the, with the authorized ones at the top for the big boys. Well, that's exactly what's, what's going on. I'm, I'm hearing they're not letting like other people who want to help come in. Yes. They're monopolizing the aid. If, if it has to do with helping people, what does it have to do with only you mm-hmm. doing it? And, and something else I said, I said, how could military, what the, the hell does the military have to do with mm-hmm. relief? Yeah. That's an operation. That has nothing to do with relief. That's right. What does it have to do with big M16 have to do with, with helping somebody like clean up their country? You need people relief workers, you don't need the military. That's yes. an invasion. You don't need the military. That's right. That's a military without firing a shot. Yeah, I know. I know they're already fencing off the areas for the foods and putting up big walls and all the rest of it. Back with more after this break. And this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Just before I take the next caller, in fact, I'll just mention that uh, the Sovereign Independence got an article on Haiti. Uh, and uh, the France apparently has accused the U.S. of uh, putting in an occupational military force as well. So there's kind of bickering over it between the French and the U.S. Uh, over, I guess, territory there. So I'll put this link up on my site at the end of the show. Now we'll go to the phones again. We've got Dan in um, Massachusetts. Are you there, Dan? Yes, Alan, thank you. Thank you for having me. Alan, I'll, I'll, you know, I was on on the previous show, and, you know, I love uh, the radio, um, the Republic uh, Broadcasting Network. I love it. I have donated. I wish other people would. Um, you know, I was listening to you for the last, the hour or so, and what bothered me was the, uh, you went from a psychopath uh, to being taxed more. Yeah, people in America are being taxed more. I don't know about where you live, and... Oh, yeah, you're right here, too. Yeah. 
I don't know where you live, but we're being taxed more. There's an economy downturn in America. Mm-hmm. Now, to go back, and I'll flip-flop like you did, Johnson & Johnson, they're trying to save people. It's a company, I believe, in America. They're trying to do research and so forth, uh, save people. I don't know why they were mentioned on the show. It's to, it's to show you that, 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 that they're not just there to save people, they're there to make a lot of money. And when it comes to massive profits, there's a lot of dirty things are done to get that kind of money. And they're, they're giving backhanders or kickbacks to people for promoting their particular medications over other medications, not because they're better medications. Okay. So there are people like you and me, and we live today. We, we don't live in the future or live in the past. Mm-hmm. And what do we have to make ends meet? Can you give me one, you know, you have a family, I have a family. What can we do to make ends meet? We, we work. We work and you do the best you can, but the problem now is uh, they're telling us we all owe so much money uh, because of the bailouts. Your governments, your governments are telling you. And they're not only telling you, that they're jacking up your taxes in the meantime. Yeah, I agree with that. The government, uh, uh, you know, do you live in the U.S. or do you live in France? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter which country, because every country got hammered by the banks at the same time. Well, we're not getting hammered by the banks. We're getting hammered by the government. The governments, and they want more because they've got a big world agenda to pay for, and we're all paying for it right now. But thanks for calling. And for Hamish, myself, and Ontario, Canada, it's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you.